think it's very important in a solidarity intergenerational solidarity we bring families together i think it's very important that we retain that very important the second thing india's longevity is increasing the world longevity increased long ago india's longevity is increasing in 1990s a person live up to 56 57 was an average lifespan of an indian but today it's crossed 70 according to the reports of the united nations india's population of 80 plus is increasing by 600% whereas 60 plus population is increasing by 300% so which means today's birth rate has come down the proportion of the older people are on the rise so when this population lives longer they are all likely to become frail they are all likely to become sick they are all going to depend on others and therefore something called elder abuse comes in everyone i am jitendra singh banker turn entrepreneur and author of the book perfect mastering the art of selling i welcome you to read my story where i interview authors speakers coaches celebrities entrepreneurs and more today i have with me dr k r gangadharan his remarkable involvement with the indian ministry of science justice and empowerment dates back in 1997 where he has actively contributed to shaping policies addressing the needs of senior citizens notably his influence was pivotal in the formulation of uh, maintenance and welfare of parents and senior citizens act 2007 he served the national council for senior citizens for five impactful uh, years from 2006 to 2011 and was a key member of the core committee on uh, senior citizens welfare at the national human rights commission additionally he played a crucial role in the former andhra pradesh state committee on welfare of senior citizens his prominence extended globally as he was uh, involved in uh, to address prestige gatherings including the white house conference on aging in 2005 and the united nations in new york in 2012 advocating for the human rights of order individual dr gangadharan have uh, internationally engagements spent continents encompassing address to the parliament of santa catarina brazil and participation as a consultant to the unfpa united nations population fund india as advisor to the world health organization Asian Southeast Asia region and a speaker at United Nations Economic and Social Commission for Asia and Pacific uh, across prominent locations like Thailand Hong Kong China his uh, steadfast dedication has left an indelible uh, mark on senior citizen welfare and global uh, discourse so today he will be discussing with us about his life journey so let us hear from him welcome sir the platform is open and now over to you Yeah, thanks, Jitendra, uh, for inviting me to share some of my experiences with you for the benefit of uh, the society. And uh, as rightly, you know, introduced to me, my focus right now, since the last thirty years, sir, twenty-nine years time, has been focused only on focus uh, on aging population, both within India, outside India. And I lived uh, for majority of the time and fifty percent of the time in Madras and fifty percent of the time in uh, Hyderabad. Though I belong to Madras primarily, so I come back to Chennai. 
and I do a lot of work in Chennai currently. Now, um, I would, I think my areas of interest have, you know, moved from my, you know, my social work background from 1976 when I passed out of the Madras School of Social Work. And I moved on to uh, serve a company on industrial relations, maintaining harmony in, uh, you know, company relations with an employees. Then moved on to Lucas TVS where I, you know, concentrated quite a lot on uh, employee welfare and moved back to Hindustan Motors uh, as manager industrial relations and human resources. And then became the general manager of Apollo Hospital and it started in 1983-89. I was the first person to head these operations during that time. Then I moved into Hyderabad out of a professional necessity. And I started the Hospital Heritage Medical Center, which is, you know, the first private hospital in the country to focus on elderly. And that now that's become, you know, two facilities. One is called Chetra. Second one has become Chimalian, both focus on elderly health care. And uh, Chetra focuses primarily on, you know, dementia care. I think I'm focusing on education and research. Uh, with uh, becoming the honorary professor of the Madras School of Social Work, Center for Aging. Center for Aging is a uh, is a new concept in Chennai and in the Madras School of Social Work. I hope in the next few years of time, uh, you know, age permitting, health permitting, I would like to focus on what the focus, I mean, what the Center for Aging can do. And we propose to do a lot of research and we also carry out a lot of advocacy and education. I think that's what our interest has been there. Thank you. Great, sir. That is really indeed a wonderful wonderful work you are doing and that is for quite long. So first thing, sir, I'd like to know from you is like, how did your past life has affected the person you actually wanted to be in your life and what you are? So it's basically related to like when we were growing. So we have certain thoughts on the basis of those thoughts. So what you wanted to be and what you are. It's, it's a nice question because it's very, very interesting to find. I think when I was a student of Guru Nanak College in Chennai, I became the secretary of the Social Service League of college. Did a lot of social service, you know, getting clothes for poor children in Velachery area and things like that. And within a period of very short time, I became what is called the chairman of the Madras Student Social Service League. It had a lot of colleges in Chennai. And uh, for some strange reasons, I became the chairman of the, you know, the association. And uh, so my focus was on social service and not for profit, of course. It's all, you know, doing some service. I remember having gone to Madras Central Jail with, uh, you know, one of those associations that was giving, you know, free food. And I, I took them and to the Madras Central Jail and served food and whatnot and whatnot. I never realized that I was going to pursue my social work profession thereafter. I think it's gone beautifully well having started social service. I became a professional social worker though my specialization was human resource management that is called labor welfare and industrial relations right. so that's been my focus so i'm a social worker by qualification but i'm basically a human resource person i think my focus is building human resources i think that's continuing to remain my major area so i would say when you say past determines the future the social service league of metropolitan college led me to become a professional social worker and rise to the level that i've been God has been very kind to me. Thank you. Great, sir. That is really wonderful. So if I talk about things you are passionate about in your life, so some of the things you have already highlighted, there would be certainly more things. So I'd like to know more onto it and what is the role of motivation and inspiration onto this in your life? I think, uh, you know, 
I have been, uh, you know, when I was in Chennai particularly, I used to teach in Madras University and uh, I used to, you know, be a faculty in majority of the corporates in Chennai, both in the public sector and the private sector, and also with the National Productivity Council, Madras Productivity Council, National Institute of Port Management, Loyola College Administration, Business Administration, in Madras School of Social Work, and, you know, variety of companies. And where my specialization those days in 1990s, and uh, yeah, till 1990s, till I left Chennai in 89, my focus was on leadership and team building. Okay. So when you talk about team building and leadership, it's all nothing to do other than just more motivating people and being together conflict-less organization, I think that has been my focus. And I think that remains my focus even today. So my specialty has moved out of all that into aging population. And even today, corporates invite me to talk in their you know, companies, to talk to their employees. I address a lot of associations for senior citizens, particularly who are national-based. For example, there, there is something called Bharat Pentinus Samaj, based out of Delhi. I think every annual general body meeting, I am their keynote speaker. It's, it's been there for many years. I do not understand. I ask them to find an alternative. When they continue to talk to me, I continue to address them. This year, I'll be probably addressing another organization in Haridwar. Uh, in another association, they invited me to speak as a chief guest in, in sometime in November. I think what motivates you is the ability to influence people. Right. You know, it's like, you know, the power, where does the power come? For the politicians, talking comes as a power. For a Hollywood movies and uh, your Bollywood movies, their personality matter, their acting matters, what they talk matter. I think what is important is a facial expression and the way to talk matters. I think what motivates me is my ability to influence people and to do right things. And when I say right things, all definable. What is right and what is wrong? What is right for you may be wrong for me. But the fact remains, are we able to influence people to do right things? Right. Now, for example, now what motivates me? For example, I remember, you know, we had a gentleman uh, in 1990s. Of course, he's no more. We met him when he was 90. And he beautifully said, what is, you know, what do you really do? What is a success story when you are at 90? You are well, you are so healthy. You are moving around. Right. He says, uh, no, at 1990s, 90 was a big age. Today it is 90s, not a big age in 2020s. But 1990 was a big age. And he said a beautiful four principles. I never forget it. Number one, he says, I never liked to be in the midst of the old people, though he was 90. The second thing he said was, I would like to be in the midst of the girls because I feel motivated, I dress up well, I go with the time and I know that I'm going to meet some ladies. The third thing he said were very, you know, uh, humorous. He says, I go to the doctor, but exactly do opposite to what they advise me to do. And the last thing that he said was, I eat food, but there is a thing called lunch and dinner. I take every bi-hourly small quantities of food. So keep pace with the aging population. It's a beautiful, you know, way he was leading life till 99. And unfortunately, he made the road accident. Somebody hit him while going on the road and he died. Right. Now, I have a, another example of my mother-in-law who is now 88. She lives in Bombay. Now, she pursued her Sanskrit in the, at the age of 75, when she reached 75. Believe it, she became a graduate, postgraduate, MPhil, and she got her PhD four years ago at the age of 85. Wow. Understand, this is a beautiful thing to say, what motivates you? What is motivating? I think the question is achieving. Something is very important. I think what motivates me is talking to people, influencing the thought process to, you know, do something constructively. I think that's exactly what I believe and I should continue to do and I'm very happy to do that. Correct. And that is the best thing possible like motivating and supporting, guiding people about yeah. 
certain things that is wonderful thing sir if i ask you like your work and experiences like how you started your career what all you did so far wonderful my first job i did what is called i won't call it a job when i was a student in 1975 74 76 i did a project there was a huge strike in what is called cmc hospital vellore and it was a very famous well known uh, you know strike because it attracted the attention of the government of india when brahmanand reddy was the home minister indira gandhi was the prime minister that is the attention it received it had a lot of unpleasant things to take place i don't have time to explain that in this meeting at the same time i want to tell you that study for some strange reason was published in the newspaper in india at chennai indian express called cmc strike politically motivated i think that was the beginning of you know how you can make an impact in the society by writing an article at the age of 17 18 and you know newspaper publishing it was the biggest thing when we are talking about ragna nanda the chess player who is you know young boy who is now going and playing you know cults and you know at uh, europe and coming back not as a loser as a winner because that's a goodwill that is generated i think there is no limit to what what can motivate us to do in life i think that has been my biggest motivation has been there's nothing called limitations when i went to my first job i when i went to the first job you know that company had lot of labor problems i'm not mentioning the name of the company that company had labor problems and i was part of that you know resolving that labor problem that was continuing for almost 10 years every year there'll be a strike let me tell you i my efforts you know i was only about 29 1976 i was 22 years let me tell you i got into serious resolution of the problem my the company chairman i remember mentioning to me gangadharan you can always solve the problems but you solved it for once for all i can tell you some 1978 till today it is more than it's almost you can say 45 years of time the company never had an industrial relations problem till today Wow. I think that's what motivates you to do. So that's a big achievement. When I went to became a personal officer in Lucas TVS Chennai, I can tell you the challenge posed to me by the top management, Mr. General Manager Mr. Ramasamy, was I would confirm you as a permanent employee if you know the all the employees in this company. And imagine, imagine that company at that time had little less than four thousand employees. And I can tell you that was a biggest inspiration I drew. I used to work, come back home, go back in the night, spend time with the employees. And I can tell you, I did not know four thousand employees in a year's time. But I can tell you, two three years of time, I knew everything about every employee, including what refrigerators they had at home, what TV stations that they had. Everything I knew because of their inspiration and strength. You know, the general manager of the company gave me. Now, when I went to subsequently to Apollo Hospital. to chennai i'm leaving one company between apollo hospital i joined as human resource manager dr pratap reddy told me gangadharan you should head this operation to the hospital because i see you a lot of spark in you and let me tell you i was not even 30 he made me general manager of the hospital it's a big inspiration i continue to admire dr pratap reddy even today though he's 90s he has been big inspiration for me in his book that he has published he wanted me to say something about his leadership and his book carries what i had said and i think similarly 
there is Dr. Anjir Reddy who passed away, Dr. Reddy's, uh, Dr. Reddy's laboratory's chairman, founder chairman. He passed away in his book on what is called Unfinished Agenda. And there is a paragraph about me, what I contributed. So he got into philanthropy because of my personal involvement. These are all the things that has happened over a period of time that has inspired me to, you know, uh, you know, that's motivated me to be the person that I am in. Then when I started the hospital in 94, I got into a lot of activities. My family, my wife, my two daughters and quite a number of the staff employees, we used to have what is called, we used to conduct a program called Made for Each Other Grandparents grandchild contest covering about 30 high schools in Chennai, Hyderabad city, covering about 30,000 people. The second thing that we used to do was something called golden couple contest, bringing people who are married for 50 years and having a lot of questions to ask, a lot of education program. We had a program called War of Wages, beautifully choreographed to say how old people can dance the current tunes and how youth can dance the olden days music. I think bringing in a concept of human, what is called intergeneration. I think people can, you know, coexist. I can follow what the youth at the age of 8, 10 do, does, and they can follow what I do at the age of 85, 90, 90 years. I think that's what, what made me to do what I am trying to do now. And so Heritage Medical Center was the first one that I started in India, though it's a beautiful concept. There was a government hospital in Chennai, a government hospital which has a department of uh, geriatric medicine, but I started a geriatric hospital. I'm very proud that it's taken a concept. In 94, it was unheard. A lot of doctors in Chennai, Hyderabad laughed at me. It has taken a beautiful shape. Thank you. Right, sir. That's really wonderful and you have done so great and everything you did was really inspirational. So now if I ask you like what is your vision, mission and goal in life for next 5 to 10 years from now? So uh, what do you think that should be? See, for obvious reasons I'm not mentioning the age. I feel one of the biggest things that I've learned in my life, learning is for lifetime. It never stops yesterday. It never stopped yesterday. It will not stop today and it will not stop tomorrow. As long as you are continuing to learn, I think you remain relevant to this world and you remain relevant to your family. You remain relevant to your community and you also remain relevant to the society. So I personally feel learning is something that you should continue to do forever. It can be anything. For example, you know, people like us who never knew what was a computer in the 90s. But today we operate computer, we are operating variety of things because we learned. Not only that, you know, I do my own PowerPoint presentations. I only prepare all my talks. Everything that I do myself because I know what I'm talking. So that's the first thing. The second thing that I do for me is hard work matters. I think there is no compromise for hard work. If I am going to, you know, build on somebody's piggyback on somebody's back, then I'm not going to succeed long way. So hard work matters with the concept of learning, which I, when I learn, I practice. When I practice, I have to continuously practice to keep learning and relearning. I think that's very, very important. The third thing, third thing that I follow in my life is honesty matters. Despite, you know, people telling me this is not a world, people talk truth anymore. I just don't care. I will be where I am. I will want to do what I want to do. I just don't care where the world changes. Let the world change. But I will be honest with anybody. I don't think when you know uh, when you call up and say that you want to have a meeting with you, I said, okay, I'll come with you. But I provided I have it's convenient. I think honesty matters. The next one that matters is money. For me, money is not everything for the matter for all. 
If somebody is going to buy me with money, no, I'm not interested. I attend a lot of programs, both within internationally and you know nationally and anywhere. I don't ask anybody to pay for anything for me. I like to definitely spend my my own money. I think that that's very important. Money, I cannot think I should have possessed. It does not mean I don't need money. I need money, but I don't need it in abundance. There is no need for it. Then the second point, I think the fourth point that I think as a commitment, I think I feel that creating awareness about impending challenges is something that I think is very important because learning cannot be one time. As I mentioned earlier, learning is continuous, but it's very important as I learn, I also impart my knowledge, my experience coupled with the experience to others who are willing to listen to me. There are when people are calling me to talk, I don't go without preparing. I prepare, I I read, I learn, I I bring in concepts, I bring the concept to the relevance and practices so people see me as a practitioner and not a lecturer who talks concepts. Lecturers are meant to talk concepts. People like me are supposed to convert those concepts into practices. I would like to do into that. And the last one, I think very important that I've always borne in mind, I continue to bear in mind, don't fall into the trap of power game. I think people talk great things about you and you become their victims. There is no need for you to be unnecessarily appreciated. And I think you need recognition for what you do. Appreciation is not really in the form of a recognition. Appreciation can be, you know, saying you are a great person. There's no need for us to feel that they're great because I think the ego problem comes in therefore. So ego problem leads to power games. I think I want to really be clear that power and politics are not in my game. I would like to practice and do good things. That's my success story. Thank you. Very wonderful, sir. And I must appreciate that this is the real value what you are creating for other people. And if we all start contributing in a small way, definitely we can uh, change the world for positive side. So now, sir, we are uh, uh, moving on to the next thing. Like, what are the most important learning you have, uh, uh, like, you have from personal and professional journey so far? I've already mentioned, I've already told you what I've learned in life is to be. I think I've already mentioned about hard work, honesty, money is not everything. I think share your experiences and I don't want to be involved in a politics and power because I don't want to be saying that I'm the great man. I'm not a great person. I'm just nobody. I'm also like you. And look, I'm like everybody else. You contribute what you are contributing. I am contributing what we are coming. Together we contribute to the society. So I don't have anything more than that to learn. I think that's what I practice. That's indeed really important for the benefit of all. So now, sir, if I ask you, since you've been working on like various social causes, so on to this further, like, could you elaborate on the concept of integrational uh, solidarity within families? Why it is important in today's society? Wonderful. Uh, I think 2022, 21-22, we released a book with uh, what is called Gandhigram uh, Rural uh, Institute at Madurai, Tamil Nadu. We prepared a book. I was one of the editors among three of us are edited a book, what is called authored a book. It's called Inter- Intergenerational solidarity. Now, intergenerational solidarity for me begins at home and and it expands to the society gradually. Now, I think it's very important for me to think intergenerational relationships are very important for two reasons. Number one, traditional families in 1940s, 50s, and I'm not talking before that, have always lived together. They were all living in the same house where the eldest member of the family took control of everything. I think over a period of last few decades, it has changed. Because, you know, those days there was one IIT in Madras, one IIT in Bombay, one IIT in Delhi, nothing more, and one in Kanpur. But today you have plenty of IITs. Yes. 
and there is nothing called indian institute of management in 60s or maybe 50s but only one in uh, ahmedabad to begin with and then subsequently bombay and calcutta came up i think today you have at least 8 to 10 management institutions so all people were living in the villages I had to come to the city to find opportunities for them to develop education and to find a career right. i think that's where they have come in so the family started slowly becoming smaller uh, if you have six children those days then it became four it became two today you have come into one child norm not because of the government families themselves do not have more than one child and there are also new concepts that's coming up in the last at least a decade in this in this country particularly they get married they don't want children so what concept is changing when they have no children there is no intergenerational problem coming up there there is no intergenerational solidarity that we talk about it but not all prefer not to have child everybody wants to have a child at least one child and if they don't have a child they won't have a dog at home or a cat at home i find lot of people having dogs and cats instead of children because they say that they dogs listen to us cats listen to us men human beings don't listen to us therefore we don't have a child but as far as i am concerned those are all simplifying your lifestyles you don't want to take responsibility so therefore you say don't want a child but i think a family as a concept requires a child it involves a child so when you have two children conflicts come whether the brother and a sister between brothers whether sisters all these conflicts come right from the child and it's part of life having conflict in the family is not something to talk about in the, uh, non uh, availability of intergenerational relationship even if i have my conflict with my brother and my brother's kids and they have my problem with my own kids and things like that solidarity remains because we all still meet for a event we all participate in family togetherness we all participate in marriages we all participate in exhibitions sorry uh, you know what is called birthdays and we participate in anniversaries we all probably meet for you know you know events so i think families continue to remain together despite difference of opinion so what i'm now trying to tell you is those differences of opinion should not take us away the generation that are going to come might think why go through this problem they don't like me i don't want to talk to them matter is closed and move on whereas i think if you say that i don't care about them then you go to the society same attitude goes over there also but the also classmates are not going to accept you as a person so the question is whether you want to be a, a political leader you want to be a you know film fair award winner or you want to be a professional award winner or you want to be a terrorist it's your choice now some people are motivated to be terrorist some people are motivated to be calm people there are some people who are motivated to be the political leaders the question is what is in your choice now to say that you don't be a terrorist a normal tendency of all of us to say don't become you know uh, uh, an aggressor be an assertive person i think it's very important in a solidarity intergenerational solidarity we bring families together i think it's very important that we retain that very important the second thing india's longevity is increasing the world longevity increased long ago india's longevity is increasing in 1990s a person live up to 56 57 was an average lifespan of an indian but today it's crossed 70 according to the reports of the united nations india's population of 80 plus is increasing by 600% whereas 60 plus population is increasing by 300% so which means today's birth rate has come down the proportion of the older people are on the rise so when this population lives longer they are all likely to become frail they are all likely to become sick they are all going to depend on others and therefore something called 
elder abuse comes in so what happened i don't know i don't have time to look after my mother father who asked him to live 80 years he is living 80 years and is troubling me that kind of a thought process come in but please understand birth and death is not in your control death particularly is not in control it's somebody else who decides when you will come and when you will go they are all going to live longer and conflicts come in the question is how do you cope with it so therefore i think emotional relationship matter a lot now with the current population of 60 plus being 140 million in india which is likely to be 350 million or 300 plus million in another 30 years of time the number in india is going to be very large and you are going to find more wheelchairs in the airports and railway stations with lot of old people getting into the wheelchair and going in addition to people who are unfortunately differently abled either due to eyesight problems or disability problem due to health I mean, they're all there so there's going to be more wheelchairs you're going to see now when you're going to delhi from uh, let's say you are in haryana or you are in delhi or in bombay you want to go to chennai if you take an aircraft your waiting time those days it used to be 25 minutes if you go 25 45 minutes you can get to the aircraft today they ask you to report 2 hours 3 hours in advance because a lot of people are going in a wheelchair they're all taking long time to get in long time to get out so time is taking longer now you cannot be in today because that's the life you are going to lead you cannot be impatient they are taking such a long time to board you have no choice because more wheelchairs are getting into the aircrafts more wheelchairs are coming out of the aircrafts and and uh, railway movement railway people are moving on to aircraft people lot of people who want aircraft more so the whole life cycle is changing i think when you are talking about intergenerational relationship how do we accept it let me tell you one good example i can tell you the government of india's national policy on older persons npop 1999 very clearly states that senior citizens in this country are an asset to the nation they are an asset to the nation and i was listening to mr kofi annan who was the un ambassador he was the us secretary general in 2002 in spain and madrid he beautifully said what is old people old people he said well he belong to south africa he says when a old person dies in south africa they all feel extremely bad a library of knowledge and wisdom has gone with each person die i think that is what the old person is all about don't try to discard them because they can't use computers as youth can do it because my finger dexterity goes down as i get older it's part of the aging process i may be very active i may be doing lot of work i may swim i may do gym please understand degeneration it will take when you are doing all these exercises you are only slowing down the degeneration you are not stopping the degeneration so this is something that the children will have to understand this is something that youth will have to understand this is something that adult children will have to accept at the age of 40 45 you might have a grandfather of yours who is 80 in 80s they are all going to live longer i think this is what something that we are very constantly building and we do lot of programs not one or two we reach out to colleges we reach out to schools we reach out to events we continue to do lot of programs we are very happy to do that that's what we do by way yes thank you is really important on this segment on this uh, yeah. like thing basically thank you. so if i ask you sir what are some uh, effective strategies or practices that families can implement to enhance uh, intergenerational bonds and understanding yeah i think very important is you know when you go for a public show let's say you go for a event in an exhibition or you go to a shopping mall any place you find a lot of parents taking their children to play games in that you know shopping malls and they take lot of pictures of the kids jumping playing doing all kinds of things do we do that with our own parents do we do it with three families three generation of families 
I'm very sure you are doing that during marriage time. During marriage time, it is a custom in India to take the blessing to the oldest member of the family. In Tamil Nadu, for example, people prostrate. In your country, you are, still, you are part of it, they touch the knee and take blessings. I think we do that during those kinds of events. Can you expand, spread that across? Why can't your father or your grandfather play the same game that your grandchild plays? And why can't you take a picture with them? The grandchild, father may not be able to play the same game of what the grandchild plays. So what we do, promote this, we organize what is called grandparents get together. So for example, in one of those events, we took 40 buses, bus loads of grandparents and grandchildren. About 2000 people came. In addition to our buses, people came directly. 2000 people were there in one of those resorts in Hyderabad, where we had swings, uh, we had, you know, what is called uh, jigs up, every so, kinds of things. And we ensured old people were part of every game. When there was a cricket match, old people and young people were together. When there was a tennis match, old people and grandparents were together. When the grandchild were the couple. I think we ensured that they can do it together. And please understand, I can show you any number of videos where old people at the age of 70, 75, they swing happily. You come to my house, I have a swing. I have a swing in my Hyderabad house. I have a swing in my Chennai house. It is very important that we have the swing because swing gives you a lot of happiness. Now I go to a beach. Let's say I go to a beach and I live in Chennai. When I go to a beach, I find lot of young people coming and playing in the beach with their kids. How many of them want to bring their parents? We don't know. Big question mark. I'm not telling, please bring them also. You don't have to bring them every day. But bring them once in a month, bring them once in a fortnight, bring them once in a week, depending on their, their you know, physical abilities. Right. I think this is something that I would like to pursue with every family, whoever I talk to. I talk about this everywhere. I think it's important the families. And third, second thing, I want to probably close it by telling, invariably, the parents mention something negative about the grandparent. Well, don't ask him. He's sleeping, don't ask him. Don't pass those negative comments about your parents. Even if you don't want to say anything positive, don't say it. But don't say anything negative. So when you tell child he forgets, he is always forgetful, don't worry, don't ask him. Or I will ask my wife two times, uh, my daughter two times a question. She will say, why do you ask me so many times? Those are all the messages which children pick up very quickly. So when you are at the age of 25, 30, when you are a father or a you are a daughter, adult daughter, you talk something negative of your parent, the child picks up immediately. I think that is something that I would tell. Don't make negative comments about anybody in that matter. For the matter, not only old people, anybody in the family, except very cautiously, positive manner. I think that those are all the small things that I would say you should do that. Thanks. Thank you, sir. It is really a wonderful thought. And if I ask you, like, uh, in a rapidly changing world, how can families strike a balance between perceiving cherished uh, traditions and embarrassing the evolving needs and values of different generations? Very simple. You see, uh, I'm very sure it's happening across the country, across the world. Yes. I, I see in Chennai, every Sunday they celebrate street. street. I think they go rotation, government of uh, Tamil Nadu, ensures there is something called Madras Street Days or something like that. I don't remember the exact name for it. Now, on that particular Sunday, the whole day is celebrated by all kinds of people going there. You find shops, you find anything that you want on that day. And the next day, the newspaper covers a full page of what all happened there. Right. So, which means you are willing to go to the communities to spend time there, eat food there, play with your friends, play with your girls and, you know, children, play, you know, all you want to meet your friends, everything. I think it's important such efforts include all generations. It should not be only father and, it should not be limited only to father and child. Yes. 
Take your parents. Take your parents. They also need to go outside the family. They right. also need to see what's happening. Take them out. So three generations is assured. The fourth generation, there is a possibility that is the old generation. That is what I call great grandparent. That's possible provided they are, you know, physically mobile. Otherwise, it's very difficult to take them. Uh -huh. But at this point of time, can you take them? I think it's very important you think that one. The second thing is, I think in Indian families, you have what is called various celebrations, festival celebrations. Particularly, I think Hindu Indian calendar lists any number of, uh, you know, festivals. Now, when you are having this festival, I think if I remember, I may not be following the festival rituals that my grandfather, uh, you know, performed or what my grandfather, what I performed, what my father performed. I have compromised, my father compromised on what my, his father did. I have compromised on what I did. And now my daughter, my daughter, my children will, you know, again, compromise on what I did. I think they are lo slowly losing the tradition by compromising whatever it is. So I don't know whether, you know, I should push and tell, restore them back. For instance, this is, this is best thing I know, possible. let me tell you, yeah, something very important. I remember when I met Mrs. Menaka Gandhi in 1997, when she was a minister for this, she told me something offered me, but I could not take it. She says, you know, government of India will be very happy to fund writing of a book on what is called grandma recipes. Wow. Now tell me, she told me this in 97 and today is 90, it is 2023, 26 years later. Please understand how many grandmas we have lost. Really? Millions. Understand those grandmas who prepared menu, healthy menu are not available today to help you prepare that. True. And you don't even know the recipes. You don't even know the recipes. Now let me tell you, I have with me, my mother passed away at the age of 93, you know, 2015. I have Ask my mother to give some recipes. I have video recorded them. Yeah. So when I see anybody today very old at 90s, I try to pick up some menus from them. And I think it's very important that we do those kind of practices to sustain. Now festival. The festival we all think, you know, they're all talking such old practices, how can we do? I think that is the attitude of the current generation. Now please understand, current generation's attitude is, you know, seeing TV, seeing, you know, photographs, mobile. mobile television, and things like that. The question is, can you use this instrument to pass on occasional messages of some practices? For instance, you know, we are doing in our family, I have something called a cousin's group. There are about nine of us in the cousin's group. We're all past 60. We all became 60 in the recent past. We have a cousin's group. So what we do is we have agreed each one will find a Tamil song, which has strong lyrics of family and community. Yeah, great, so we pass on, we pass on such messages every day. One, one song will be, you know, forwarded by one of the family, one of the cousins. So which means 365 days, 365 songs that we will see. Wonderful. And I like to keep not 365. I like to keep what I feel is good for me. So I think those songs will make a lot of difference. Today also a lot of us forward a lot of songs. Are, for example, Lata Mangeshkar, you know, what's his name? Kishore uh, Kumar. Kishore Kumar. So we have some of the, we all, you know, get those songs because their lyrics are very strong. True. So can you pick up those songs and circulate it? Number one. Number two, can we also establish something called telephone clubs? Like WhatsApp groups, can we have a telephone clubs? Some lot, a lot of old people may not be able to use finger. Uh -huh. So can you have either WhatsApp video calls? 
or you know messaging or can you also have a telephone call i will just call jitendra how are you i will make a call every third day every fourth day every one month i will have a list with me 30 40 members i will call them once a month so we have a call to find out how they are establish those kind of uh, call connections and ensure uh, i think two weeks ago i met one of my cousins she's around 64 years and her son lives in put in usa So she tells me the timing suits so well that he wakes her up in the morning at 5:15 every day from USA on his way to on his way back home from the office. So he calls her and talks to her a lot of things. Similarly, in the evening when he goes to uh, next morning goes to office, he calls her and talks to her. So there are systems which says the child in the USA talks to the parents every day. I think this is something very very common. Right. But the question is when people are living long distances I tend to believe the relationships are stronger than people living close by. Correct. Because people living close by take it for granted they are available we can always meet but we don't meet. Yesterday in fact I was telling some of my my friends I said I've come to Chennai last 8 months I've been there but I've not met you I've not spoken to you whereas when I was in Hyderabad you used to speak to me every 10th day or 15th day. I think the tendency to take people for granted is one that denies us the connectivity i think i would think connections is very important and when you are talking connection you also find a reason for connection i think that's very important find okay. a reason for connection don't find reason for it let's go for a cup of coffee we'll meet every saturday at a cup of coffee shop let's meet there together or i will bring some food you bring some food let's meet together for a dinner pull dinner pull lunch pull coffee pull snack whatever you want to call it these are all ways of doing it the question is i think mindset is very important how do i build a mindset i must do that it's important for me that's it's important yeah small things can make a difference definitely right so sir uh, uh, we are about to finish it uh, so what is your take on success what uh, like how does it look like to you well, let me tell you if i look back success success is what you perceive i think you can't uh, measure your success by what others do you have to measure success by what you have achieved let it be small let it be small for example when i was 60 i went to new zealand at uh, queensland i went on what is called a free fall so we went my wife and me went for a free fall from aircraft even we went the previous day to find out what the details are they tell that your free fall is 7 seconds if you pay another 100 dollars you can have a free fall for 22 seconds or 28 seconds my wife said why not we we paid extra money we went to the aircraft the aircraft which was originally going at 7000 feet went up to 15000 feet so which means from 15000 feet i'll fall 28 seconds without any support right the question is determination to feel good about it yes so i think important is your you you, you need to be very clear about what you want and so i would think determination is one that's an important factor determination with a goal goal is important like you asked me a lot of questions about a variety of things but what i want to be i think i want to contribute my next few years of time in bringing out documents that will help this country know about aging population particularly in tamil nadu and right. how they can have a better quality of life how the families can be supporting each other i think that's my conviction on taking over so which means i have a goal i have a mission i have a dream and i have a plan of action i think that leads to what i am thank you great so sir uh, we are on last question any message or advice you would like to share with our viewers and listeners i think it's all all over the world there are enough number of scientific studies which says very clearly whatever comes in life the most important is family true and nothing more than family is important in life i would say let us cherish our family let us live together despite all the difference of opinion let us not discard the families let us not say i don't want to talk to my brother sister because of this reason no despite all that 
they are the most cherished unit in mean, what is called a group in the entire world so i would think family comes first to me and then comes everything else thank you thank you sir it was really wonderful and you have shared so many amazing insights thoughts about the concept of family why it is important and how we can stay united stay together and how we can pass on the traditions and legacy from uh, like senior most member of the family to the junior most member of the family if we stay united stay together this is easy so that will help our uh, society to grow much better in a way so thank you so much for sharing all your thoughts all your work you are doing that is really commendable and really interesting to know about these things and the concept you highlighted today was re- was there but we were missing out on uh, the concept like people uh, are getting into a nuclear families are not getting um, much of the importance to the united families and also they are ignoring the part of the senior people in the family so uh, this is really important and uh, i i enjoyed the discussion and moreover it i uh, like learned many things which i think uh, can be implemented uh, nearby areas uh, that is really wonderful uh, thank you so very much for your time sir i am looking forward to hear more from you soon again and probably we can discuss on similar topics or different topics like this so that we can create more awareness among people thank you so much sir thank you thank you bye bye all the best bye. i will also share your social media link along with the interview so that people can be in touch with you take your help and guidance also so guys don't forget to check that out too thank you so very much everyone for watching and listening i hope you all must have gathered a lot of information and enjoyed watching don't forget to like share and subscribe have a good time thank you and bye bye thank you so much sir